welcome to Deserted with Lindy and Grace. On this podcast, we ask our guests what dishes they would take to our deserted island and the stories behind them. Food can leave a lasting impact and we want to know what those dishes are for you. Our mission is to shine a positive light on food and show how the power of a dish can shape a person. We consider ourselves true foodies. We love adventure, travel, and we refuse to let our food allergies get in the way of living our best lives. So join us whilst we dive deep into our guest experiences and find out what they'll be eating on our deserted island. I I don't know why, but I have this low level of anxiety. Yeah. Where you think that you're like running out of time. Yeah. And it's like just the morning and I'm like, there's so much of my, I have so much to do. Well, how am I, how will I get it done? I feel a bit out of it today too. And I don't know if you believe in like moon cycles and stuff, but it was like the last quarter moon last night and yesterday. Oh. And um, I think it's kind of common that, that, I don't know if you had a super deep sleep, like I had a super deep sleep and like that is like really common. And like yesterday, I don't know if you were feeling like sleepy at all, or maybe a little bit like low. Yeah. I had an unbroken sleep, which never happens to me. And I got something in the air. And so today, like, I think it's pretty normal to feel a little bit. I mean, one, I always get, I always get anxious about time. Like that's just one thing that I have always struggled with. But, um, but today I think it's like just, Weird. Especially also when you have a really good night's sleep, you wake up and you're a little bit like, whoa, what happened? That hamster wheel of like feeling like I'm just like constantly running, but there's nothing happening. Um, But like, that's also life. And I'm very lucky that I'm doing what we like to do. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Say hi. Did we say hi? I don't think we said hi. Hi foodies. Welcome back to Deserted. Welcome. Welcome. Happy to have you all here. So on the island this week, I am going to be bringing figs. Figs? Figs. Ooh, that's, ooh, that's a good one, but yeah. super mixed feelings about it. Oh, I'm excited to hear your feelings. Um, I, I love figs. I love dried figs. I never used to like fresh figs, but we had a fig garden when I was growing up. Over the time, like I liked dry figs. Mm-hmm. And then we were in Ireland this past few months and we went to the market every Saturday. And so I used to buy like 10 of them and then um, grill them. Yeah. And then I used to just eat them as a snack. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, like they are nature's candy. My mom's neighbor has a fig tree in the back garden. So she's given me probably like 800 grams worth of figs yesterday I cut up the figs and I grilled them and then half of them I put in a blender Mm -hmm. and made fig jam so now I'm having fig jam on toast like in my yogurt everything oh my goodness it is incredible and then the rest of them I'm just eating as a snack because I love them so what is your thoughts Grace? well (laughs) One, I like love dried figs. I used to eat so many of them, um, especially when I was like in LA and Trader Joe's, again, Trader Ooh, Joe's yeah. is the best, um, has like a <laughs> packet of dried figs and I would go through it like in one sitting. Um, 
And then I found out that the inside of figs are like dead wasps. The way that figs are pollinated is that wasps like kind of put their eggs inside. They lay their eggs in there and then they come out. Have I just ruined it? <laughs> you can't see my face, but I am in shock. I don't know the exact science behind it. I've kind of listened to it many times, but I also sort of kind of blank it out because I got so disgusted. So then I stopped eating figs for maybe a year because I was like, so the crunch in it just like made me like disgusted. Oh my goodness. Now I feel like I've ruined this for you. <laughs> I mean, I like figs and I'm not going to not eat them because of it. So that was my feelings, but I still love them and I still eat them. Just research it. and yeah, I will. I'll, I'll research it and I'll put it. I'll put it on the Instagram of this episode so that yeah, we it is really interesting. Out. But anyway, um, what I'm going to bring to the island this week is miso. Oh, okay. Um, I have always like loved that sort of salty umami Japanese flavor, but it's only you know I'll put it on like salmon and stuff. But it's only recently that I've started to kind of use it with everything like white miso paste you can pretty much buy well you I don't think you can really buy it in sort of the small supermarkets but if you go to like the big Sainsbury's or the big Tesco's you'll be able to find it there or like any health food whole foods type store um but I just put it on everything like I'll like on all my kind of meals my like lunch and dinner like if I'm having a salad or if I'm having like roast veggies or if I'm having sort of like any sort of grain or anything I'll just like squeeze lemon and then have like a big spoonful of like miso and like mix it up sort of as a dressing and then just put it over everything and miso it's basically fermented soy it's really good for you it's in the same kind of category as like kimchi and sauerkraut um and so it is really good for your gut obviously if you're intolerant or allergic to soy um you can't have it but um I do love that taste and it's super salty but not in um not really in like a over it's not as if you were to like sprinkle like a ton of salt all over your food it's just sort of that flavor flavor yeah it's kind of a mix of like soy soy sauce and the one I have, it's the U- Utica brand, and they don't have any cross-contamination. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of that Japanese flavor. And you said that you eat it with everything now, but, like, what is it traditionally used with? Well, you know, in Japanese restaurants, they use it like miso soup. So you can literally yeah. just put, like, a tablespoon in boiling water, add some spring onions and, um, like, tofu or anything else you want to, and have, like, literally... A little soup for yourself but it's mostly used I would say in Japanese cooking mm-hmm. um, I don't really think it's used in Chinese or Vietnamese or Thai it's just Japanese really but a lot of people use it as sort of a marinade like on salmons yes yes so I've never had it but I always thought because it's with the Japanese cuisine that I couldn't have it so I would put it in um like stir fries or you can even put it on any like chicken that you have or turkey um I mean I use it in a lot in dressings as I said yeah. like you can add lemon or olive oil with it as well and garlic and what's the consistency is it thick or is it runny thick. it's thick should we get talking about our guest this week yeah, super great. Um, I loved meeting, well, virtually meeting Jenny. It was just such a 
great episode. So great to have this episode and to for her to just talk about her life and her childhood and like her thoughts on food. I didn't know she didn't bake cakes until she came to England. I learned so much about her and it was just such a cool episode for, especially just for me, just to find out more about like my best friend. I thought it was really interesting because um, obviously you guys met through being nannies. As someone who had nannies growing up, I think it was like cool to hear like the inside scoop on, you know, nanny talk. And that sounds so much fun. You now look at her Instagram page and she's this like crazy boozy baker. And it's so exciting and so fun. It's crazy that she had a belief that she wasn't a baker. Like, yeah. not even that she just didn't bake. She had a story in her mind that she wasn't a baker. And then now, I look at her and I, I ask her for her opinion on my bakes. And so she constantly just practiced and got better. She keeps developing recipes. People buy cakes from her and buy cakes that have alcohol in them. And it's just incredible to see that journey and to see how she has developed in baking and in food as well. And I loved hearing like she has such a wonderful soul of sort of, you know, wanting to include people in her, in her baking, you know, as someone who um, has a lot of food allergies and obviously you have a lot of food allergies and um, Jenny just, you know, basically was, I don't want to give too much away from the episode, <laughs> but you know, she just wants to include everyone and that, that, you know, it started when she was younger too. And it was just really, it's really amazing to see how that sort of her quality has just continued and expanded. And be a friend of somebody who like never wants to isolate and never wants to um, exclude anybody with food. And, and, and her dishes this week were, you know, some of them I'd never heard of before, like learn about food from around the world that, you know, you may not have been exposed to. And I guess that's part of um, the point of this podcast like they're <laughs> all about community and you, you'll get a sense of that in the episode so yeah so enjoy <laughs> enjoy hope you guys um love it let us know how you how you feel if you have any comments or feedback we'd love to hear it and we'll see you on the other side yeah see you then bye bye hi jenny hi hey, it's, it's nice to eat me eat meet you Hi, nice to be here. Um, for anyone that is listening, can you tell us a little bit like about yourself, um, where you're from, what you do now, just like a little backstory on who you are? Um, I was born in Australia, moved to the UK five years ago. Uh, I work with children, I have done for most of my life. Um, came over to be a nanny and to travel a bit and have always sort of loved cooking well more so feeding people I'm a feeder I like to feed people I just I love I love trying new things I love experimenting with food and um I love finding new guinea pigs for my food as well <laughs> and, and does that take form of the children that you work with I used to when I was a nanny I'm working back in um in a childcare setting now so okay. Not so much because I, I can't cook for them. But when I was a nanny, it was definitely a like, oh, I wonder if they'll eat this. <laughs> Try. Did it usually go over well? Yeah, my kids were pretty good. They they yeah. ate whatever I put in front of them. So that was nice. <laughs> but as, uh, as someone who grew up with a lot of nannies, I 
always remember all the experiments of food that would go on and it was the best day ever like yeah. just the treats and it's just it, it makes it's just something different than what the mom will usually give you and it adds a little bit extra to your kind of childhood yeah yeah I think that uh, I think my old nanny kids appreciate that too they always when I do see them now they come back and say oh can we have a Jenny meal today it's like yes you can <laughs> <laughs> definitely the nannies appreciated it as well well yeah I did feed everybody didn't I <laughs> So for those of you who are listening, like me and Jenny met as nannies um, five years ago. And um, at that time, I was really, I guess I was a bit like nervous with people cooking for me and I didn't like anyone making me my food. And Jenny's probably the only person of my friendships that I let bake and cook for me, but she's really good at being careful and like sending me pictures of the ingredients that she's using and I mean she's a terrific baker and so like she's probably the only person of like my friendship not family like my friendships that I let cook for me so I remember the first time you let me bake you a cake and I was so nervous I was like oh my god she's letting me do it and I bought all new pans and and utensils I was like it's all clean all clean <laughs> Yeah, that's such a that's such a good friend thing to do. Um, can you give a little quick backstory as to how you got into um, cooking, baking with um, alcohol? Um, well, as Lindy said, I met these girls five years ago um, as nannies, and our motto was nannies on tour. So there was a lot of alcohol involved when we weren't looking after the children. And um, apart from me, everybody loved cake and I love to cook and, and do things for people. So I started making cakes for them for their birthdays. And I was like, well, what better way to celebrate with cake and alcohol? Um, so my first one that I made for a friend was um, a G&T cake, which, you know, it, it worked and everybody ate. But to me, I was like, oh, you know, eh it's all right. It looks nice, but I wouldn't go for it. But it was the next one that I kind of, it sold me on using alcohol in cake, which uh, is one of my five. So Right. So what is your first dish, Jenny? Uh, well, it is a double chocolate whiskey cake, <laughs> which um, it was a little bit of a last minute decision. And I was searching online for different recipes for a friend's birthday and um i had some of the ingredients and i didn't have others and i kind of just went well they don't know i'm making it for them so if it doesn't work it doesn't really matter so i just went in and made it and i think it was the most amazing cake that i had ever made in my life it was delicious and i don't like cake i don't like eating it and i actually enjoyed eating a slice of this cake so that for me was like okay yeah I think I can do this I think I can bake <laughs> I'm gonna keep trying <laughs> so that was my my uh, first sort of realization that baking one is for me I love it and two I can actually do it well when I really try so it was good and I can tell you that that cake is incredible <laughs> makes it for me every time we see each other and I think there was one time we were in Ireland and you made it and I think I ate 
three quarters of the cake and you and my mother at a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> That's how incredible it was. Do you yeah. get drunk off of it? Is that a stupid question? Um, well, the, the stuff that's baked in, it's more about the flavor, but I also put it in the icing or the ganache or whatever, and I tend to be quite generous. So you get a good buzz, a good, a good taste of it. You get a good taste, but you, I don't think, unless you're like Lindy and eat a whole cake in a sitting, you're not going to actually get drunk from it. <laughs> I wonder if you could do like cake and alcohol pairings, like, you know how they do wine and cheese pairings? You could do a like whiskey chocolate cake and then have the shot of whiskey on the side. I would love to have a cafe and have like a cake and booze cafe. That would be amazing. That would be like a dream for me. And I've thought about it before. It's like, oh, the overheads. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that that's something that I have thought about and would definitely go down the route of like, yeah, this, this cake goes with this and you need to have it together type thing. It'd be amazing. That would be, there's nothing like that out there. I mean, not that I know of, but there's nothing out there that's kind of dessert alcohol together, which for me as someone with a sweet tooth, I would, I would actually really love because what, <laughs> what's better? I mean, the next day will probably be terrible, but <laughs> yeah. Fine. That's fine. You don't have to think about the next day whilst you're doing it. You have to think about the next day the next day. That's the beauty of eating at the time. <laughs> future, future Jenny's problem. That's right. <laughs> with the, um, the fact that you started off with baking and you were just trying it and seeing whether it worked, how do you feel with the failure of certain bakes or how do you feel with um, trying out new recipes and you know, it's it's a, it's quite expensive to constantly be baking. Yeah. So how do you feel with the failure of it all? So in, I will say this, in Australia, I was not a baker. I just was like, I, I can't bake. This is not happening. And I remember, it's probably not the first cake that I made, but it's the most significant in my mind cake that I made. And it was a cake I made for my dad for his birthday. And... I literally took it out of the oven and it was like rubber. You, you could drop it on the floor and it would have bounced back up into my hands. It was disgusting. And I was like, mm, do you know what? This isn't for me. And that was fine. I was okay with it because I didn't like eating cake. But then when I started working with the kids and, and other people and wanted to do things for them and, and I wanted to get better, it was easy to be able to experiment with the kids because kids will eat anything right. So, you know, not necessarily the alcohol ones, obviously, because I was a good nanny, but, um, you know, you could give, you could give kids any type of cake and you, they were like the best critic because if it was truly awful, then they would not eat it. And you knew that it was truly awful, but, um, it is expensive to make mistakes when you're baking, especially with alcohol. Um, so what I try to do is I try to use my recipes that I know work and adapt them and use like different ingredients in those and then hope that, that it works. Um, mostly I think I've done okay. There's only been a couple of, of uh, like complete disasters where I was like, no, I'm not letting anybody eat that. That's awful. Um, so that's been good. And the ones that sort of, I haven't been that happy with, it's actually been surprising because other people will say that it's really good. So it's, I think it's a matter of perception and because I don't like eating cake, 
it's a bit hard for me to determine whether what I think didn't work is actually true. <laughs> if that makes sense. I think it's time to move on to our second dish that you're going to yeah. bring to your island. Okay. Um, a baked dinner. Well, what you would call a roast. We call it a baked dinner in Australia. So basically it's just reminiscent of home. My mum was a great cook and she just could whip up a baked dinner like nothing else. Didn't matter what type of meat it was. Um, I just loved, I think it's more the vegetables, like the roasted vegetables mixed in gravy. And then there's just that, that homeliness, that, that feeling of, you know, that's safety just eating whatever you wanted and and knowing that you know you were full and happy at the end of the evening so that was that the smell of it when you came home from school was like oh yes I'm gonna bake dinner for dinner so it was good yeah um and then now making that myself it's never as good as mum's but you know that's that knowing that I can do it too and it's it's just nice to be able to like share that with other people now that I can you know cook myself as well but like not to equate to that feeling of somebody made you dinner you come home and someone's made you dinner and I think yeah absolutely that that feeling of like I love cooking now and I love like I love feeding people but when somebody else cooks for you there's that that sort of feeling of oh wow this is what somebody else's tastes make it, you know? Yeah, so there's that's different um, proportions of the spices. There's just different proportions of the oils. So yeah. you can sense their own personality through food. So, you know, going out to a restaurant or having somebody cook for you, you're like, oh, I would never have thought to put that in this, but it actually is really good. And yeah a new inspiration and a new flavor um how is it different like with the baked dinner and the roast as we say how is it different for, like australian roast to the uk roast the only difference i would say is that you can go to a carvery and get a roast whenever you like like that's just not a thing in australia my uh, my mum was english like she was born here and so a lot of my food that I had growing up was obviously quite English, but then with Australian twists. But I don't think that apart from the fact that we had lamb quite a lot because lamb is really more prolific in Australia than over here or less expensive, I should say. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it wasn't so different to the English roast. It was more like, and it's not, wasn't something that was just on a Sunday either. It was like, whenever mum decided to buy a piece of meat that she wanted to roast, that was when we were having a baked dinner. Not, not a lot of difference for that sort of meal, and, I would say. And would you say food was really important in your family? Kind of were meal times significant? Yeah, I think um, I grew up with three brothers and, you know, it was, when I was younger, it was definitely like we all sat down together and had a meal. Um, <clears throat> And then as we got older, we sat down in front of the TV and had a meal. So it was, it kind of like graduated as we got older from the, the dining table to the lounge room. But um, yeah, I think it was an important time where we would all be together and, and talk and, and well, pick on each other and things like that. Like it wasn't sort of 
something very formal, but it was more of a, a come togetherness type thing. But dinner was sort of like the only meal where that would happen because, you know, breakfast would be, you got your own breakfast whenever you got up and stuff. So yeah, it was more about being together then. And then as we got older, taking on the responsibility of cooking together. Like we would give mum nights off and we would cook a, a meal together. And so that was quite nice with my siblings. So, yeah. Was food important to your family, like connection? Some of us, I mean, I think two of my brothers sort of like eat to live. And then me and one of my other brothers, we love to eat. And he's also a very good baker as well. And he loves to cook and loves to create new dishes himself. Um, but I would say like coming together, it's like as a, as a whole, the, the one thing that I think of with family is, is a barbecue because all, whenever we had extended family around, it was always a barbecue. And that would be the, the signifying moment that, okay, everybody's here because it's like the easiest thing to do, chuck some meat on the barbecue, have some salad. It's just everybody can be communal together with that type of meal. Nobody's stuck in the kitchen type thing. So that I think is was probably the main thing for cohesiveness as a family would, would be the, the barbecue. Mm. Yeah. And when you left home, did you feel that connection, that social aspect to food or was it different when you left home? I lived with friends for quite a while. So, you know, there would be that community of when we came home from work, we would be cooking in the kitchen together or we would eat together and things like that. So yeah, I guess um, there was that social aspect, but it was much harder, I think, when I did leave home because I, I am so bad with portions and I cook for an army that like it was I really struggled to cook for me as a single person type thing even when I lived with friends I rarely ever cooked just for myself I would feed everybody else in the house as well so I think I more made it a communal thing than perhaps even they wanted it to be <laughs> but <laughs> yeah I think I wanted it to be more social and, and I've tried to follow that through my whole life. Like I always want to feed people. I want to, I want to keep them happy and fed and um, satisfied, I guess. Really, really good friend to have around always. <laughs> <laughs> especially, especially if you're good at sort of accommodating different food um, intolerances and food allergies, because that is often, I think, the hardest part for people. The fact yeah. that you're able to bake you know, you, you bake with alcohol, right? That's kind of unique in itself. The fact that you're able to bake for someone like Lindy, who has severe allergies and be able to accommodate for that while still kind of staying true to your kind of flair is so special. You really don't find that very many places and especially in not being fearful of it. Cause a lot of people, like you said, would just, I mean, you were scared the first time you did it, but I'm sure mm -hmm. now you're kind of like, Oh, actually now I, it's not that, hard you also saw me be fearful with food and be nervous around food for so many years and I never mm. let her cook for me then then I trusted her on a personal level not just about cooking like on a personal level and whether it's allergies or not when people when you trust somebody you see that trust and then you want to keep that trust it, she did things to 
help me feel safe and help me feel confident when I watched Jenny cook for people and I watched how she cooked and how she cleaned and the fact that it wasn't a mess in the kitchen and she knew what she was doing and I was like oh I could trust her to do this and food can really build I think whether you have allergies or not um food is really a kind of form of trust I think I think about even my friends that don't have any allergies and go to people's houses and eat, right? You feel more towards someone who, you know, cooks you this kind of really amazing scrumptious meal and sort of doesn't let you down with, oh, we're just going to order in pizza, which not that there's anything wrong with that, but there is a certain amount of care that goes into preparing food. And it really adds, I think, a lot to a relationship. You were the first sort of friend I came across who had allergies but obviously working with children I had cooked for children who had allergies before so you know I, I already had that awareness but your your list of allergies was so extensive that I was like if I can swear on this sorry <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> um, I don't know like if I can cook for her but I don't I don't this is this is part of my personality I do I cook for people I want to do that for them and so I think in a way not even consciously I made it a priority to try and learn all of your allergies so that I was sure that one when you came over to the nanny house didn't necessarily come in contact with it or like if my nanny family had nuts and I would make sure that you know, they were put away in a cupboard and that I'd wipe down all the surfaces before you came over and stuff like that. Um, obviously, because that was the major one. I knew I knew that one when I first met you. You had said that one. And then as I got to know you, you let me know more and more of the allergies you had. I was like, oh, wow, okay, that's so much. <laughs> like, um, I'm so excited for you now that like some of those things you can have now like bananas you were if the kids were having bananas you would sit on the other side of the room and you know their kids had to be cleaned up before you could go near them and stuff like that and and now you can eat them and I'm that's so exciting <laughs> yeah I was just so blown away by how much you couldn't have and I, in the beginning I was like oh that really sucks like all of these things that she can't have but then watching you make your own food and because you loved food like it didn't matter you just loved food watching you still be in love with food even though you couldn't have what everybody else was having it didn't matter you, you still had that love affair with food so that that kind of was like right well I'll make the extra effort because she deserves to have the extra effort made and that's super special. I think it's time for us to move on to yeah. our third dish that you can bring to our deserted island. The amazing thing that is a cob loaf dip, and a lot of people over here don't know what that is. And it's probably the most simplest thing, but at every single party, gathering, whatever, in Australia, you get a huge cob loaf of bread cut off the top, take out the middle and you make this amazing dip inside. You can like with sour cream and, and cream and cheese and you can basically put anything in it. But I love putting spinach and bacon and mushrooms and onions and stuff. And then you put it in the oven and you bake it 
and you bake the bits of bread that on the outside as well and then it comes out and you use the bread to pull out the dip or you get some um veggie sticks and it's just so delicious like you, you think oh well that's a bit simple but honestly people will eat that before they eat anything else when there's a gathering and it's just it just makes me feel like home when I eat that as well and I just get so excited have you made this for people here and if so what is their reaction yeah I um I have made it here and people are like oh what what you you're baking bread that's nice it's like no you wait for it and they everybody asks for the recipe when I bring it out they want to make it themselves um and it is gone there is never anything left it's gone always <laughs> it's the first thing to go and uh, they're quite amazed that it isn't a thing over here you made it I think for the first time with us you made it and I remember distinctly that you made one for me that was specific yeah. bread that I brought in that was special and you did that for me separately and then you also we had a friend who was gluten-free and then yeah free bread as well and made it for them you've always been doing that you've always wanted to include everybody in that in the meal and I think like that's also you as like a personality like it's the experience I think that you view food I I don't feel like people should miss out it's not fair for somebody to miss out because they can't eat something or they are intolerant to something or they're allergic to something there's always there's always a way around it like there's always an something an alternative that somebody can have so I think with you and our other friend you you always said oh don't worry I'll bring my own or don't worry I don't need to have it and I I think it got to me I was like no like I'm doing this for everybody and you are part of everybody there is no point in you missing out just because you think you're going to be a burden which is what I think it was it's like you thought I'm a burden. I don't want you to go out of your way to do something different just for me. It's like, but I'm doing this for everybody and you're part of everybody. So you're getting it. <laughs> Whether you want it or not, you're getting it. Where did you learn that recipe? I think it's just in every baby's brain that's born in Australia. Like it's just there. <laughs> we're, all, we're all just born with the ability to make that. It's just something that I've always known how to do. I don't remember how I learned it. I just know that, like, I can do whatever with some bits of ingredients and I can make it. It doesn't matter that, you know, I don't have this ingredient or that ingredient because each dip will be slightly different depending on what I want to put in there. So it doesn't really matter. Like, I've done that many variations now that whatever, it comes out great. <laughs> like, it just tastes amazing. It's so clear that you just love to include people with your cooking since the get-go. Were you like that as a kid as well? Like you said you didn't really like baking then, but I just feel like you didn't all of a sudden just want to start including people. Like that's just part of your personality. It was more like with cooking, like cooking yet. I, I've done that since I was little. I've always cooked. Uh, it was just the baking side of things that didn't really come along until later but um, yeah, in cooking, I always wanted to make sure that everybody got what they liked and what they would eat. Um, one of my friends in Australia, like she didn't have intolerances or anything, but she was very much 
going towards being a vegetarian and actually now she's a vegan and I lived with her for like five six years so a lot of my stuff became more vegetarian when I lived with her as well because uh, I wanted to include her in in everything but I think I don't know whether that's just a matter of osmosis because you're living with somebody that you end up cooking like that or whether it was that I wanted to include it I'm not really sure which part of it what it was but yeah it's I think you tend to try and well I do I tend to try and cater to my audience basically you cater to the people who are around you and and what they need let's move on to your next dish your fourth dish what are you bringing um well this is the this is lasagna and it is the one dish that my mother could never ever ever get right and um as i grew up i was like i didn't like lasagna because mum always ruined it like honestly it was sloppy you could eat it with a straw it was disgusting what my mum made like she she would get so upset as well because you know us we would we would push it around the plate and obviously she was such a good cook that we never ever didn't eat what was on our plate so for her to make something and and it not be eaten i guess it's exactly how i feel now if somebody doesn't eat what i make them and looks like they don't like it i get really really upset about it but that's how it was when we were kids. I was like, oh God, not lasagna again. Oh, why is she doing this? She knows she can't make it. So either the pasta would be, you know, uncooked or the meat would be so sloppy that it was just sliding around everywhere. The bechamel sauce would be lumpy. Like there was always something that went wrong with my mother's lasagna. And I remember moving out and just thinking, you know, like, the, the whole concept of lasagna sounds absolutely amazing but I've never had a good one and so I tried to make it myself and I just remember cutting into it and thinking oh, I did it I did it and I did it better than my mom and I remember my poor mom I remember gloating I sent her a photo I was like this is what lasagna should look like mom and <laughs> and I just remember her sending me back um uh, an emoji of a middle finger but it's like you know that that accomplishment of going oh, I actually did something better than my mom this is amazing I love lasagna yeah, I've never I've never really had lasagna because it's dairy and which I'm anaphylactic to and gluten which I really have a really difficult time having yeah. uh, and so I think my mom has sort of made it because my mom was the best too. She would just try making everything that I saw or everything that she would eat out. She would try and make it kind of grace friendly. Um, So, but she made it, I mean, it was good. And to her credit, it was, but it was more just kind of like a bolognese with like in between sheets. So when you cut into it and eat it, it just kind of tastes like spaghetti bolognese, which is one of my favorite meals of all time. But I've never really had that because at the time there was no such thing as dairy-free cheese. That is a new concept to anyone listening who can't imagine a world without it. But there was definitely (laughs) none of that when I was growing up. We were really lucky in my family. Nobody has any allergies to food. My brother was really allergic to, you know, outside influence and dust mites and um, 
horses and and you know all of those external sort of environmental things he was allergic to but not food which is good for him because he's the foodie and he really likes you know loves food it didn't come into my mind oh not everybody would be able to eat this mm. the beauty now is that there are so many alternatives so yeah uh, really good ones out there too i'm just amazed why don't we move on to our last dish of the day what is the last dish you're going to bring to the desert island jenny well this one is full of dairy as well <laughs> <laughs> um this is the amazing pavlova um obviously egg as well for all of you people who can't have egg <laughs> unfortunately but um yes i i love a pavlova always have done and it was something because I couldn't not couldn't but I didn't like cake from such a small age I just did not like cake so for my birthdays or for celebrations when cake would usually be there I would either have an ice cream cake which my mum would make or um, pavlova and mo more times than not it would be pavlova because I just loved the fresh fruit that went on top so you know the the nice sticky moist meringue and the the fresh whipped up cream but it's the fruits so the summer fruits in Australia like stone fruits you've got your peaches nectarines and uh, cherries everything that you could think of would go on there mangoes um, and the the passion fruit pulp like that to me is just it's a party in my mouth and I love it <laughs> That is my ultimate, ultimate dessert dish. I love the food, the tagline of food, there's a party in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. That's, that signifies a foodie. That's yeah. probably where the start of the kind of alcohol bakings um, came from. <laughs> yeah. Always loved having a party in your mouth, so why not yeah. have party in your mouth and outside as well <laughs> yeah that's it I've, I've been thinking about how I can make a pavlova alcoholic um I haven't quite got there yet but there's definitely some ideas throwing around in my head perhaps this Christmas I might have to bring one out <laughs> yeah I was thinking that you could put maybe infuse the fruit with alcohol yeah that would be interesting to infuse the fruit and put it on top of the pavlova Egg is used in a lot of alcoholic drinks too, so I'm sure there's a way to like whip it. Um, yeah. Or yeah. an eggnog. Like, it could be like yeah, it could be like an eggnog cream on the on the meringue, which would work. Do you want to tell us what cookbook you're going to bring to the island? I will bring the Australian Women's Weekly cookbook which is like an almanac of the greatest recipes from like settlement times up until now so you can get it I think it comes out every decade in Australia and it will have like the best recipes from the beginning of when it was brought out all the way through but it, like it, ha it they're the most simplest down-to-earth recipes with anything that you can find in your cupboard and um, I just remember that that one has always been on my mother's cookbook shelf my whole life and um I can't wait to get that <laughs> it's it's I, she still she keeps telling me that I'm gonna get it and and she still won't give it up but yeah it's got like 
damper recipes and, you know, the old, old biscuits and things that, you know, just all very simple, but classic, good, good, good recipes that, you know, you don't need many, many ingredients for, but they just make the, the nicest, most reminiscent foods that you can, can find basically. Mm. That sounds like a good book to bring to the island item. What's one kitchen item that you would not be able to leave behind? This is, this has been hard because I was like, well, there's no point in bringing my mixer because there's nowhere to plug it in. So that's, that's kind of useless. You could do a solar powered one. Oh, I could do a solar powered one. Um, but I was probably thinking more of like a skillet. I think a skillet would be good because you can cook, normal meals on it and you can cover it and you can bake sweet dishes in it and just chuck it all the way into the fire so probably a skillet amazing and what is one ingredient that you're bringing i was trying to think like really logically it's like well i can get salt from the seawater that's around me and all of this stuff i'm like oh you're being such a nerd about this um but i think i would probably have to take chocolate just would have to take chocolate. I love it. <laughs> I love chocolate. If four dishes got washed away in the sea, which is the one that you would take? <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't make it easy. <laughs> oh, oh, can I swim out and get them? Um, <laughs> the roast. The mm. roast. It would be the roast. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Thank you so much, Jen, for joining the podcast. Um, for all our listeners, if they want to find you or put in an order for a boozy bake, um, where can they find you on Instagram? Um, uh, I have my Facebook page, Boozy Bakes Cakes for Adult Tastes, and on Instagram, uh, Boozy Bakes. <laughs> Lindy, help me out. <laughs> <laughs> It's um, at Boozy Bakes Cakes and I'll put the, um, all of the links in the description box anyway so that you can find her easy and um, email her if you want. If you're in the UK and you want a cake, she will make it to order. So definitely email and they are worth it. I will, <laughs> I will definitely be putting in a request, but beware, it will be dairy, nut and gluten free. That would be a new challenge for you. <laughs> that would be a challenge yes okay <laughs> well thank you jenny so much for coming on this podcast it's been really fun and yeah. to find out more about your childhood and your history with food and the love of food that you have and we we share that together all the time anyway thank you i've enjoyed it thanks very much <laughs> thank you all right thanks guys for listening and um we'll see you later Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, subscribe and review and tell us what you thought on Instagram at deserted underscore podcast. And we will see you next time on our deserted island.